Hi, this is John Van Lunen, and you are listening to Treasures of the Outer Banks. In this podcast, we talk to people who live on the Outer Banks, and through their stories, we'll explore what makes this place so special. So if you downloaded this podcast to find out where the gold is hidden, my apologies. But if you want to meet the people we treasure on this sandbar, stick around. I'm sure you'll enjoy their stories of history, local personalities, and community. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is John Van Lunen, and you are listening to Treasures of the Outer Banks. I am flying solo today, so I'm going to take a few moments to talk about how I got here and what it's been like. A lot of people ask me, you know, how long you lived here, you know, where did you come from, all that good stuff. I grew up in uh, Silver Spring, went to a few different colleges in Maryland, and graduated um, in 1989. Um, got got a teaching job in D.C., and she started making plans. I knew nothing about the place whatsoever. It was not on anybody's radar back in 1985. And at the time, I owned a Hobie 16, and I thought, hey, it would be cool. Let's, let's bring the Hobie 16. We'll sail around all week. It'll be fun. And so I was one of those knuckleheads that just, you know, threw it on the back of my vehicle and drove all the way down from D.C. to Hatteras Island, with a Hobie 16 on the back of my vehicle. I'd, I don't even think I had a spare tire. You know, had something gone wrong <laughs> during that drive down and back, I would have been up a creek because I was kind of a hot mess and didn't prepare very well back then. Sometimes things haven't changed. So we we came down, and here's the interesting thing about 1985 and the Outer Banks and Hatters. I vaguely remember driving down thing. I was uh, I was pretty impressed with just the the rural aspect of it all and the wide open beaches and all that stuff, you know, again, comparing to Ocean City, Maryland, where, you know, it's wall to wall people. It was definitely very cool in that sense. But as far as a young person looking to do stuff fun for a week, nothing going on, no nightlife, no nothing going on. And the Hobie cat that we brought all the way down from DC, we took it out one day, a lackluster day, wasn't very windy. And then we it just sat on the trailer for the rest of the week. Honestly, you know, setting up a Hobie cat is, is work and it, it just wasn't worth setting up and, and trying to take it out every day. Uh, needless to say, I'm probably not alone in people that bring their toys all the way, all the way to the Outer Banks and, and really don't use them that much. We have visions of grandeur and it just doesn't happen. Anyway, so, uh, one thing I remember from that summer was there used to be a popular bumper sticker around here that said, I'd rather be fishing in Hatteras. And at the end of the week, all I could think of was, yes, that's the only thing you're doing in Hatteras is fishing. There was absolutely nothing else going on. So, you know, I didn't hate the place, but at the same time, as a young person, I didn't see myself, you know, driving down to Hatteras every weekend, every chance I got just to do whatever. So that was after my freshman year in college. A couple years later, I graduated from college and I get a job in D.C. I was a teacher coach at Sidwell Friends and I had spring break off. We had I had no responsibilities. Now, you know, it sounds like a lot of fun, but I, I'm single. I don't have anything to tie me down for a week. Uh unfortunately none of my friends are, you know, on the same schedule that I'm on. So I have this windsurfer. By that time I'd started to get into windsurfing. I, I bought a, a rig. I bought a I bought a complete package in Ocean City, Maryland, and I used to practice up there on Ass Woman Bay quite often during the summer times. And so I figured, you know, let's let's go check out Hatteras, you know, or let's check out the Outer Banks, new challenges, you know, something to do. Got to get out of the, got to get out of the house for a few days, 
didn't want to sit around the house all week. And I grabbed my dog and we loaded up the minivan. Don't laugh, but that's that was my mode of transportation back then. And we came down to the Outer Banks. And my honestly, my plan was to just camp out of the van all week. I had no idea how I was going to shower. I just the plan was I would just figure something out on the fly. So I get down here. I came in late at night. That that again, that was kind of my mo back then as a young person. You know, I would travel at night a lot because I would you know, miss a lot of the traffic. So travel down here, get here in the middle of the night and, you know, start hunting around for a place to just kind of park the car so I can sleep. And I parked behind the outlet mall in Nags Head, uh, which is coincidentally just a couple blocks from where I used to own a business here at a Kitty Hawk Water Sports for the last, you know, 13 years or so. So I parked behind there and, you know, just chilling out and, I'm probably not even there an hour, and then the cops come. <laughs> the police came. It must have been on the rounds. They were traveling around, and they saw me and said, basically told me to move on. So by now it's, you know, I don't know, 3 or 4 in the morning, and I'd, I'd start driving around town a little bit. And uh, finally the sun's coming up. I grab some breakfast. I park over at the uh, windsurfing launch, which was the old uh, windmill point, which, again, was is just a block away from where my former business of uh, uh, Kitty Hawk Water Sports is located. And that was the place to go windsurf back in the 80s and 90s, early 90s. And it was a hot spot. I mean, just windsurfers used to come out in the droves to sail there. And uh, nice shallow water, nice easy access. And uh, it was just a good spot. And it's always been a good windy spot. And the, that's that's where the kiteboarders now go. Um, so... So I'm hanging out there and, you know, the wind's not doing anything and it's early and I'm still kind of tired and nothing's going on. But by the afternoon, you know, things start to pick up. A few people show up and and we start rigging up. And um, I had a Rottweiler and this this Rottweiler was awesome. His name was LB. Those, those were his initials, uh, stood for Little Bear. And he was just a cool dog and went everywhere with me. I was a little worried he might wander off. So I, I put him on a tether on the beach while I was out sailing. I didn't want him to disappear on me. And the one peculiar thing about LB, and he was an intimidating dog as most Rottweilers are, but he was usually kind and gentle. But when you put him on a tether, he acted very strange. He would defend his little plot of land because for whatever reason, he just felt exposed, you know? So anyway, I made some friends with some guys and I was off in the distance and I could see my dog barking at this guy. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, just leave the dog alone. He won't bother you. Well, the guy walks over there, puts his hand out, and my dog proceeds to bite him right on the hand. I come in, and I apologize, and the guy was totally cool. Um, he goes off to urgent care and gets some stitches, and his his friends were still there windsurfing. And they we started we started talking, and they asked me where I was staying, and I basically told them I'm, I'm camping in my car. And they said, well... We got a huge house in Kildeville Hills. We got plenty of extra room. If you want to crash with us for a few nights, totally fine. And me not knowing where I was going to shower next said yes. And so we all we all meet up at this place and we decide to go out for something to eat and drink. And, and we go off to Awful Arthur's. And, you know, it's spring break, so it's, um, it's pretty slow on the Outer Banks. And all the locals are at Awful Arthur's. Everybody's having a good time, uh, including us. 
and you know the guy that got bit you know he was he was a great sport i made sure i bought a couple of his beers and and i kicked in some money for rent for the week and all that good stuff and he basically said you know i would i probably would have you know hurt myself doing something else anyway not a big deal um so very good sports we had a great time we we parted ways um i went back to you know back to teach and they went they were students from harvard business school they went back up to mass to uh, do whatever they were doing and a year later uh, uh the, the their point man decides to organize a windsurfing trip to aruba and he had my contact information reached out to me and i said yes i saw an opportunity to go someplace i'd never been before and we all met in aruba for a week at one of these windsurfing resorts where they have unlimited unlimited pieces of windsurfing equipment free breakfast every morning you know beautiful blue water every day nice winds every day and it was just a great week you know by the end of the week your your whole body is torn up by the salt water and sunshine and and just uh being in the water all the time and you're sore and tired but it was it was totally worth it and a great time so we after that um i go off to grad school up to canisius college in buffalo new york i bring my windsurfing equipment with me because i figure i'm on lake erie why not um, and while I'm up there, I meet a young lady who's also a windsurfer. So this is my big opportunity to try to impress her. And, and we hit it right off and long story short, we, we eventually married. Um, but you know, we definitely had some great sessions windsurfing on Lake Erie in the summertime and believe it or not, it's not bad. There's, there's some good winds there. Um, it's not too too hot but the water is nice and warm because lake erie is nice and shallow and it heats up very quickly and so we we became you know life partners and windsurfers and it was it was definitely cool so we decide that okay let's you know i, I graduated grad school and i was i didn't have a lot of job prospects up in in buffalo and quite frankly the winters were kind of wearing me down anyway and i decided i, I wanted to come back south she decided she wanted to go back to uh school to get her PhD. So UVA, Charlottesville, you know, I'd heard a lot of good things about Charlottesville. I decided let's, let's relocate there. But first we had a summer off being uh, both educators, you know, we had a whole summer to do whatever we wanted. So we decided that we were going to um, spend the summer on the Outer Banks. And that's what we did. We found a, a nice little place, you know, back then, this is all pre cell phone, pre internet. You had to you know, find phone numbers for rental companies on the Outer Banks and call them up long distance and ask them if they had any summer rentals. And um, I found one fa fairly quickly, you know, which in retrospect is kind of shocking. And uh, it still it still exists. Um, it's a very popular place for young people to stay in the summertime. I think lifeguards currently house the place. But uh, there's a place called The Breakers and it's at milepost 11 on the beach road. It's right across the street from the lifeguard station right there um, and it's right next door to galaxy golf so we we could just look over the fence and look at all the weird uh, statues they have at the miniature golf course right there and there's four little houses at the breakers and they've all they've been there forever and there used to be crazy parties there i will say the summer we were there i don't remember any crazy parties at least i wasn't part of them um all the four houses that were occupied all four houses that were occupied were occupied by people that were just, you know, just slightly older, you know, not super young, crazy people. So, we, you know, we got along with everybody, but nobody was, you know, going crazy on a regular basis or anything like that. But uh, the funny thing about the breakers back then, I don't know how much it's changed, but back then 
there was no telephone service in there. We didn't get any cable TV because, you know, it was only three months and we didn't see the purpose in that. And there's no air conditioning. So they're just these tiny one-room efficiencies. And, you know, for a young married couple, it was perfect. You know, we had a bed, a couch, a kitchenette, a bathroom. That's all we needed. And quite frankly, we were on the Outer Banks for the summer. We were going to experience the outdoors as much as possible. We weren't going to sit inside and just do nothing and, um, you know, watch TV the whole time. We were, we were moving around and we were always doing something, which was great. And it was an, it was an amazing summer. We, we took the time to windsurf a lot. We, we both had jobs up in duck. Uh, Bonnie was at, um, Elizabeth's wine and winery and bar cafe or something like that. And I was at North, uh, I was at North beach sailing right behind the barrier Island Inn. Um, and so I was in the water lot just about every day. I was teaching windsurfing lessons as well as, just, you know, just helping out around the business and stuff. And, uh, you know, I think it, I forget exactly how old I was, but I might've been, you know, 24, 25. And I was the old guy, you know, <laughs> I was the geezer. Um, and, uh, I think the college kids couldn't quite wrap their head around it, but I, I just, I was, I was having the summer of my life and I was doing it while all my friends, you know, were stuck at real jobs doing, you know, um, doing things back home. So it was, it was a great summer. And I tell you, that summer is when the Outer Banks really got into my blood and Bonnie's blood too. It just, you know, once we left to go to Charlottesville, you know, in late August, you know, I remember just leaving and thinking, I've got to get back here somehow, somehow I've got to get back on the Outer Banks. And I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. Well, we're in Charlottesville for three years and, um, you know, everything's progressing. Bonnie's getting her PhD. I'm getting, I'm doing some teaching jobs, nothing, nothing crazy impressive or anything like that, but we're, we're getting by. And then, um, an opportunity arises to buy the business North beach sailing that I worked for. It may not have been the smartest, uh, business decision in the world, but it was a door for us to get back onto the outer banks. And, Bonnie did not have any hot leads for work right after she graduated. So, you know, it was kind of like, why not? And so we came to the Outer Banks, bought a house, bought the business. And, um, and it was great. You know, um, was it, was it hard running a business? Absolutely. Long days, long weeks, um, frustrating employees, problems, fix things, fix things, fix things. But, you know, just the lifestyle that you can live while you're here, you know, we're always wearing shorts. We're always, you know, two steps from having a bathing suit on or, you know, in, in my line of work, I was real close to always being able to just jump in the water at any given day. I, I pretty much wear swim trunks all summer long. And we, we, we've had three kids here, we're pretty much uh, almost done raising them. It's been a great place to raise a family, great schools, great teachers, great community. You know, it's, it's a small community. And, and like in small towns, you could, you know, it doesn't take long to, you know, figure out who you need to talk to or who's going to help you out or who's got the information, um, who's, who's looking out for your kids, that type of thing. And so it's, it's been a dream. Um, it's, it's a little slice of heaven on this little uh, sandbar. Uh, you know, are there, are there things that I wish were slightly different? 
absolutely. But it was it was worth every bit of it. And and now when I go back to D.C. or Baltimore, that area, I just try to drive around, and I feel like there's ten times more people there, and so many more cars, and so much more traffic, and so much more frustration going on that I could never go back at all. Uh, I look at other resort towns or or rural areas and and try to figure out if I could I could live there. But you know, I've I've, I've created a lot of great relationships here, and and it's and it's been fantastic. So I would highly recommend it. That's that's pretty much my story on how I got here. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any questions whatsoever, feel free to reach out to me. You can always email me at john at treasuresoftheouterbanks.com. I hope you support this uh, podcast. I hope you support the website. Feel free to come back and explore regularly. Tell your friends about it. Have them sign up. And and let's grow this thing. I, I love the Outer Banks, and I love sharing it with other people. And if if you're already a follower, you probably love the Outer Banks as well as of right now. So if you know somebody else that might appreciate this or enjoy this, please tell them about it. That's pretty much it for today. I hope you enjoyed it and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the show and I hope you enjoyed these stories. I think the Outer Banks is a special place and sharing it with other people who love the Outer Banks is a real privilege for me. If you have a specific topic you'd like to hear or a specific person, please leave a note in the comments and I'll see what I can do. Remember, if you want to find treasure on the Outer Banks, just talk to a local.